Hey friends, welcome to the Family House Message of the Week podcast. This is Pastor Jason, lead pastor at Family House Fellowship in Cedar Park, Texas. At Family House, we are a family of faith growing towards wholeness in Jesus Christ, heart, mind, and strength, and helping others towards that same wholeness, impacting not only this generation, but future generations. We would love for you to check out more about us on our website. It's familyhousecp.org. Also, you can follow us on social media in all the places, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are at FamilyHouseCP. And also, if you wouldn't mind, the best way to continue to see these podcast episodes when they drop is to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform that you love to get your podcasts. And uh, if you wouldn't mind, rate and leave a review. It helps other people find this Message of the Week podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Again, we're starting this series called Scandal- uh, Scandalous Christmas. And what, what could possibly be scandalous about Christmas? Well, pretty much everything in the scripture is scandalous about the story of Jesus coming to earth. Right? I mean, just think about it for a second. Right? I mean, we, and we've talked about this over the, over, the, over the weeks. Right? Like, I mean, it's scandalous that the God of the universe made, made himself small in terms of leaving his glory and coming to earth. That in and of itself is scandalous. Because God in and of himself, he's setting aside, you know, when we talked about um, Jesus being the, the picture of humility, right? Jesus set himself aside. Um, God actually allowed himself to be in the presence of sin in order to come. Because the world's full of it, right? The world has been full of it, full of sin since the beginning. Since, since Genesis 3. Since Satan tempted Eve and, and Adam and Eve fell in sin. And like I said before, this is my favorite time of the year. Um, the lights, the music, the traditions. But Christmas isn't just fun and joyful and merry and bright, Christmas sometimes comes with tension. I don't know if you've ever felt tension at the holidays. Um, there, there's just, there aren't just happy memories for some of us. We've got hard things that have happened in our lives. Um, for some of us, we were, at this time of year, we remember pain. We remember suffering that we've gone through, grief at this time of year. And Unfortunately, how our brains operate, sometimes we actually connect the times of year with certain things that have happened that are negative in our lives. I don't know about you, but there, there's been times over through my life, it seems like, it seems like when, thing, when bad things happen in my life, they usually happen in the month of October. I don't know why. But, like... And so for a long time, like every time we get to October, like subconsciously, I would dread it. I didn't realize it. And I was like, why are you, why are you feeling so down? I'd ask myself, why are you feeling so down? Oh, it's October. Right? And subconsciously, just my body went into a response. Again, in, in, in reaction to old things that have happened in my past. 
And so sometimes that when things, bad things happen around the holidays, it's just like holidays then get attached to negative feelings and tension that we feel. But life in general is oftentimes holding tension with joy. Holding the tension of holding something negative with something good. And so, how do we hold in tension, joy and grief, pain and hope, love and heartache? That's why Jesus coming to earth is so scandalous. Because there was something negative that needed corrected. And in order to correct it, God needed to do something miraculous. And so, the pain, the tension of the pain and the sin and the hurt, and the coming of Jesus and the anticipation of the solution to that problem were held in tension. That's why Jesus um, coming um, creates this sort of scandalous idea. And so we're going to talk about in this series as I sort of begin to weave the, these areas of Advent into this story of Jesus and the scandalous nature of it. Um, so that's, that's what we're going to do in this series. Um, in our Advent reading today, we focused on hope. And, and hope, as I define it, is fuel for faith. Hope is the fuel of faith. Hebrews 11 David referenced it earlier. Hebrews 11 tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if it's impossible to please God without faith, right? And, and faith is this notion that we can trust in something, right? When you sat down in your chair here this morning, you had faith. Right? You had faith that it was going to hold you. This morning, when we pulled out the chairs out of my garage on a brand new rack, I had faith that that rack was going to make it onto the trailer. It did not. It broke before we even got it on the trailer this morning. Um, I, I actually have seen, seen a, a, a pastor bring, you know, you talk about chairs, and he brought up a chair, and he's like, actually, the first time you sit down in a chair... That's faith. Every other time after that, it's not actually faith because you've seen it happen over and over and over again. It said, faith would actually be if there was no chair behind me and I sat down. That's faith. Because I need the chair to show up behind me. How do we keep our faith in God strong when the world around us is in turmoil? Hope. Hope is what fuels our faith. Hope is what fuels our faith. So we're going to be talking about scandalous hope this morning. The Jewish world was in turmoil when Jesus came on the scene. Um, the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi. Malachi's prophecy. From Malachi's prophecy to the birth of Jesus was about 400 years. 400 years of silence. There were no prophets. There was, there, scripture does not record 
anything from God to his people. From the end of Malachi's prophecy to the birth of Jesus, 400 years of silence. In those 400 years, the Jewish people were in turmoil. They were bounced around from world power to world power. They went from being ruled by the Persians to being ruled by the Greeks to the Egyptians to the Syrians and finally the Romans. All in those 400 years. Imagine the tension. You know, you've heard the prophets, all the, the prophets in the Old Testament all talked about Jesus. They all talked about the King coming, a coming Messiah. We're gonna, God's going to send us a King to save us, to liberate us from these oppressors. But what you see instead is a new occupying, occupying nation. I can imagine that when the Persians left, they thought, oh, this is, the king's coming. Nope. New nation came to rule them and occupy them. It was just a new occupying army coming. No king, just an occupying army from some new world power over and over again. And you tell your children, God's sending a king to save us. And then what your children would see was just more war and more suffering. But hope. But hope. And I, I want to do something unorthodox this morning when it comes to teaching about the Christmas story. I want to fast forward actually past the story of the birth of Jesus to the moment where Mary and Joseph take him to the temple to be dedicated. Jesus is already born. He's come on the scene. He's been born to Mary and Joseph in the manger in Bethlehem. We're going to get to that later in the series, but today I want to focus on two people. Two people who can show us what scandalous hope really looks like. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Oop, just spilled my communion all over the place. That's about right. Luke chapter 2, verses t starting in verse 25. So Jesus is being presented at the temple. That's, that was a custom for Jewish parents. They would bring their children to the temple to be dedicated, presented to the temple. And, and for Jewish males, that would be the point in time when they would be circumcised and committed to the Lord. So in 25, it says this, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. What does that mean? Waiting for Israel's pain and suffering to be consoled. To, be, to bring healing to the hurting. So he's waiting on the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus 
to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rise of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And then in 36, And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. I love this story because we've got these two individuals, right? You've got Simeon. Simeon, Scripture identifies him as righteous and devout. Righteous and devout. What does that mean? What does it mean to be righteous? Made right. It's a simple phrase that just means made right. What did it look like to be righteous in the time period that Simeon lived? Well, Jesus wasn't yet on the scene. Jesus hadn't, obviously, he had just been born in this story. He had not yet gone into ministry, right? Jesus didn't even start his, his earthly ministry until like 30 years old. So Jesus lived in obscurity for 30 years. Jesus hadn't obviously gone to the cross. There was no salvation for people. We're made, you and I are made righteous by the blood of Jesus. How is Simeon made righteous? He, was, he found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Why? Because he was the other word in that phrase, devout. Righteous and devout. Devout just means committed. He was committed to the cause of God in his world. At a time where there was not much to be devout about, to be honest. Right? He... He saw what God saw without proof. What he had seen in his lifetime was just new oppressor, new war, new heartache. Not freedom. But what he saw in the spiritual, right? Because whether we recognize it or not, we, we live in this physical realm of things we can see and touch and understand, but at the same time, there is a spiritual reality going on around us. The spiritual realm is at war 
Good and evil are battling each other. And in Simeon saw the desolation of the Jewish people in the physical, but what he saw in the spiritual was, was hope. So he was righteous and devout. And he was waiting, right? Scripture says he was waiting for Israel to be consoled. He was waiting for that shift to come. He was waiting on Israel to be consoled, to be comforted. And he knew that comfort was coming through the king, the Messiah. And the third thing that Scripture describes Simeon as is as the Holy Spirit was upon him. Prior, prior to the event of Pentecost, which was 40 days after Jesus ascended back into heaven after he was resurrected, the Holy Spirit shows up. Right? The Holy Spirit that comes and lives in us showed up for the first time to come and live in the hearts of those who believe. Well, how did the Holy Spirit operate before that? Well, the Holy Spirit operated in one-offs, right? Scripture t- tells us throughout stories in, in the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit came upon. The Holy Spirit came upon. The Holy Spirit came upon. But the Holy Spirit didn't stay upon, right? The Holy Spirit would come, do a work, and then go. The scripture describes Simeon that the Holy Spirit was upon him. Not the Holy Spirit came upon. The Holy Spirit was upon. He was an exception to the rule. He was so righteous and so devout that the Holy Spirit could rest on him. Like an Abraham. Like a Moses. Like a David. Individuals throughout time who showed such exceptional commitment to the God of the universe that the Holy Spirit could actually rest upon them. And Simeon is one of those who is described in Scripture, and he literally has two paragraphs in Scripture. It's amazing. Holy Spirit was upon him, and the Holy Spirit revealed to him that he would not die until he saw the Christ. So he had a word from the Lord. The Holy Spirit came and told him, you will not die until you see the Christ. He had a word from the Lord. What did that word do in his life and in his heart? It started to build hope. And that hope started to build faith. That what he saw in the natural world, was not the reality that was actually true. That God was doing something bigger than he could see with his eyes. And he had hope and he had faith that that would come to pass. Anna. Anna was a prophetess. What's a prophetess? A prophetess is a woman who hears from the Lord. She would hear a message from the Lord. Prophets are people that God would give messages for others, right? And prophets in the Old Testament, a lot of times, prophets from the Old Testament, God would send them to give hard messages, 
hard messages, right? The prophet would come to Israel and be like, listen, you're going to you're gonna go into exile. Somebody's going somebody's to come in and overtake you because you are not following God. And it wasn't just individual people, right? Like the prophet wasn't showing up at my house, knocking on the door going, hey, you're not following God. He's going to come bring, you know, six flat tires and, a, you know, whatever. That's not the way God operates. It was when the nation turned their face against the Lord. The prophet would come to the nation and say, you better get your act together. So prophets brought a lot of hard messages from the Lord oftentimes. So Anna was one of those people that God trusted with his messages at those times. So you have Simeon, who was, who was righteous and devout. He, was, he had the Holy Spirit on him. Anna obviously had the Holy Spirit show up to her. We don't have the description that she had the Holy Spirit upon her, but the Holy Spirit would show up to share messages from the Lord with her so that she could have knowledge so that maybe she could share those with those around her. In particular, we don't have the, the specifics of the things that the Lord spoke to her. But she was a prophetess. We also know that she was a widow. Scripture teaches that she was, she was only married for seven years. And you have to remember, in that time period, women were married young. Right? Mary, in Jesus's mother was betrothed to Joseph, probably, which betrothed is just engaged to Joseph, probably somewhere around 14, 15 years old. So imagine for Anna being sim of similar age, probably somewhere between 15 and 20 years old when she got married. So by the time, from the time she was 25, she, she was a widow. And then Scripture des describes her as committed. She committed her life to worship and prayer. She spent her days in the temple. And so think about these two, right? What would, what would cause an Anna who had gone through so much strife in her life, so much pain, I mean, she, she was walking through the grief of losing a spouse at a young age. What would cause someone who had spent the majority of their adult life in grief and loneliness to have hope? What would cause a Simeon to... Know that he knew that he knew that he knew that he would see the Christ before he died. So we're going to look at, we're going to look at what it looks like to live a life in scandalous hope. First, we have to live committed. We have to live committed. Simeon and Anna both dedicated themselves to minister to the heart of God. 
You can, you can see it in both stories, even though we only have a few paragraphs to describe them. You can see it in both stories. Simeon was, was devout. He was righteous. How do you, how do you get righteous? How, how, how do you get described as devout? Well, people see your life, right? They see how you live, and they recognize who you've been around, right? There's, there's this old saying that says, show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Simeon was a friend of God. And his future was he was not going to depart from the earth until he saw the Christ. Anna, when she walked through so much pain and so much strife and so much heartache in losing her spouse, what did she decide to do with herself? She spent her days in the temple, fasting, in worship, and in prayer. That's what she chose to do. She says, listen, I know that I, I did not get many years with my spouse. I, I didn't have a family. I didn't, I didn't have any kids. But I'm pointing my face to the Father. And I'm going to give him everything that I have. My time, my talent, and whatever treasure I have left in this world belongs to God. We have to live a life of worship. Worship focused on God chases away so many things and fills us with so many, fills up so many buckets for us. There's so many things that are hardships in this life that can't stand in the presence of worship. Fear gets chased away when we worship. Anxiety has to go when we worship. Why? Because our focus is not on us, it's on Him. We're not focused on the problems that we have. Anna wasn't focused on her grief because she was focused on her God. Simeon could be known as devout and righteous because he was in the presence of the Lord. I don't know who Simeon's friends were. We don't have that in the story. But I bet you his friends knew they would, have, they would have described him as righteous and devout. And they would have seen him in his everyday life expressing the things that he learned by being in the presence of the Lord. We already talked about how Simeon was had the presence of the Holy Spirit and how that wasn't normal in, in his time. Why did, why did God know that he could trust his presence with Simeon? Because Simeon trusted his presence with the Lord. Simeon trusted the Lord with his time. Second thing is we have to live in the prophetic. Like Anna's a, Anna was known as a prophetess. Simeon had the, had the word of the Lord in his heart. 
right? He had heard from the Lord. We have to live in the prophetic. Since the establishment of the church in the book of Acts, those of us living in Jesus, we have his Holy Spirit in us. The prophetic is for all of us. Where, where there used to be just a few that would hear from the Lord in the Old Testament, now we have access 24-7 to the God of the universe. We can hear from the Lord. We all have a place in the prophetic. God desires for all of us to hear him. God speaks to us to encourage us. To call us and others up. Sometimes God brings hard messages still. Not going to lie. There have been times in my own life, in my own prayer life, in my own time with the Lord, where I've heard the Lord go, I need you to fix that. I need you to lay that down. I need you to stop doing this and start doing this. And sometimes those are hard messages. Right? We like to say, we like to say at our house, like the Lord in his kindness allows things to bubble up to the surface. Those things in us that are not, are not in alignment, are not congruent with the heart of God. Because let's, here's a newsflash. We're, we're like really good at focusing on us. And so we have some places in us that do not align with the heart of God. That's what sin does to us. And so when those things, when you spend time with the Lord, when you walk with God, those things start to bubble up to the surface. Why? Because they cannot maintain themselves. They can't stay. God and that stuff can't coexist anymore. And so they begin to bubble up to the surface and you're, you, you start to realize that those things are still there and you're like, oh man, I feel really bad about myself. Like, man, I'm a horrible person. And God's like, no, 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 you're not a horrible person. That's the point. The point is, is that I want to take that away. I want to take it. I want to heal it. I want to make it whole. I want to heal you of that so that you can be everything that I created you to be. So sometimes in his prophetic, in his, in his coming, in his speaking to us, he's going to give us some hard messages. But it's all for encouragement. Right? Sometimes love is tough love. Sometimes love is hard to hear. Especially, I mean, if it's love, it's true. Maybe flip it around. If it's true, then it's love. Because love brings truth. But it's always in honor. God always comes in honor for those who love him because he wants the best for us. But he desires all of us to hear him. And he calls us and others up. Sometimes he gives us words for other people that will encourage them. Anna was a prophetess. She heard from the Lord. Simeon had hope. Why? What would give a man hope in a world where I'm sure he had seen and heard so much pain and struggle? It was the word of the Lord. He had heard the word of the Lord. I don't know if you've ever experienced hearing something from the Lord that you just knew in your being was true. 
Like you knew that you knew that you knew that you knew. Like I'm going to be honest, like, like right now, Sunday, our Sunday mornings are the epitome of what I feel like Simeon felt and saw. Why? Because the word of the Lord for me is that God wants to come and rest on this neighborhood and he wants people to join him. But what we see in here is us and we see empty chairs. Simeon saw the world around him. He saw all of the hard things. He saw the struggle. He saw the pain. He saw next, next empire up. But what he saw in the spiritual and what he knew in his heart was the word of the Lord. He knew what the Lord had said. The Lord said, I'm bringing a king and you will see him before you die. And on this day in the temple, that word came to pass. That's why Simeon had hope. When God tells you you won't die until you see the Savior of the world with your own eyes, that gives you hope. So when we talk about prophetic words, like we've, whether you, you guys recognize it or not, we've had prophetic words spoken over us. Family houses had prophetic words spoken over it. The Lord has spoken explosive growth. I don't see any right now, but he spoke it. God gave a vision of an empty field lined by cedar trees with hundreds of people fall to, falling on their knees, their faces to the ground, worshiping God in terms of family house. I mean, where else do we have lines of cedar trees? Pretty much around every place. Right? And on a newsflash, cedar showed up in the allergy report a couple weeks ago. It's like way early. Ugh. But every time I have the sniffles, it reminds me the word of the Lord. I want to remind us we have two values that go with this message. And I, I, whenever I can work these family house values into what we're talking about, I'm going to do it because I'm just reminding us who we're trying to be. First is this, our family hears from the Lord. He is still speaking and we will follow his lead. Number two is our family is motivated by hope. We believe that tomorrow will be better than today. What is it about tomorrow that's going to be better than today? I don't know. I can't see into tomorrow. But when I'm connected to the Lord, it gives me hope. Why? Because I know what the Lord has said about tomorrow. And every tomorrow after that. And that is he's coming. He's coming to make all things new. He's coming to make all things right. It's why we celebrate Advent. He's coming. And so regardless of what actually happens tomorrow, I can trust that tomorrow will be better than today. 
because there's a chance he's coming back. And as long as I'm connected to him, I'm good. So we hear from the Lord. We're going to spend some more time on this because honestly, he wants to speak to all of us. He speaks in a lot of ways. He speaks through his word. He speaks through other people. He speaks directly to us. It's not always in an audible voice. Some people have heard the audible voice of God. I personally see, see pictures in my head, like a field with cedar trees lined around it, with hundreds of people bowing their face before the Lord. Some hear, some see, some know, some feel. They have a feeling. Some people can walk into a room and get a sense on how that room is operating. Whether there's something in the spiritual realm that's off in the room. We're going to spend some more time on that down the road, but I just want you to to be aware. Like, we believe this. We believe the Lord still speaks. He didn't stop speaking after the Bible got printed, He still speaks. And, our, and we're motivated by hope. We've got to. We've got to believe that tomorrow's going to be better than today. Because our faith needs that kind of hope. It's the only way it operates. And if we're going to please God, we've got to have faith. So this Christmas, the world needs Simeons and Annas. The world needs a spiritual family that believes that tomorrow will be better than today. We need to believe it, and we need to live it. The world's not going to show up with, for a people, for a group, for a church that doesn't believe in the things that it talks about. We've got to believe that tomorrow's going to be better today and that the Lord actually wants to have a conversation with us. That's what prayer is. It is our conversation with the Lord. So many of us have, have prayer bat, messed up where we just feel like it's, it's, the, it's the form on the internet or it's the comment box where we just give the Lord like comment cards in the box. Like, let me tell you what I think about what's going on right now. Or let me give you... Let me, hey, you know, this past week, Peyton sent me his Christmas list in an email. Sometimes that's what we do with the Lord. Like, hey, hey, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw you my list of things I need from you right now. When the Lord wants to talk to you, he wants to say things to you. And he's thinking to himself sometimes, and I'm, I'm speaking to myself right now. Hey, could you, would you let me get a word in edgewise? Like, I have some things I want to tell you about what's going on around you. I have some things I want to tell you about you, the way I feel about you, the way I love you, the way I want you to go walk in your life. And he's going, but I can't because you won't let me talk. Or you won't get still enough to give me space. That's what prayer is. So we're going to do that right now. And we're going to go into a time of communion. Father, thank you. 
for examples like Anna and Simeon. You didn't just you didn't just give us Abraham's and Moses's and David's and and stories like David and Goliath and you didn't just give us Paul's who who traveled the world preaching the gospel. You gave us faithful people who had very little notoriety in their time, like Simeon and Anna, who committed themselves to one thing, worshiping you, honoring you with their life. To live, it it doesn't surprise me that one of the first public places Jesus shows up is to Simeon and Anna in the temple because Jesus spent 30 years of his life in obscurity and three years of his life in ministry. And Anna and Simeon spent their entire lives in obscurity. On their knees, worshiping you, honoring you with their lives. Father, I thank you for those examples. Like, Father, I want to be, I want to be a Simeon. Lord, make me a Simeon. Make us Simeon and Annas that get no greater pleasure in this life than to be in your presence, to hear your voice. Oh, Father, we want to hear your voice. Lord, I thank you for Jesus. This this story that you've been writing since the beginning of time, this love story you've been writing between a creator and his people, allowing us to come to you through your son, Jesus. That's what communion is all about. We get to come to you because of what he did. So Father, we come before you today. We thank you.